Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five seconds What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 40 of the opening line. It is our Halloween episode. We don't talk a lot about it, but you'll have to listen to see what our costumes will be this upcoming weekend. Thank you to the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, enjoy the show, everybody. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the opening line. We are your hosts, Wits and Roz. We are back. We have another jam-packed week. Me and Wits did pretty well on uh, on our picks last week, and we're excited to bring you updates on both leagues, the NCAA and the NFL. But Wits, we have failed to mention, Dash failed to bring up a whole lot about Major League Baseball, and the postseason, to me, I haven't watched an ounce or uh, a pour or a drop of this postseason so far. I've seen a little bit of game casting here and there. I know the Nationals are up one, stealing a game from Garrett Cole. But since you are our baseball aficionado, I feel like you will you'll have a little bit of help here in explaining what's been going on. The Nats clearly the hottest team in baseball since August, so it looks like they can pull this one off. And I got to tell you, I'm a little against the Astros. Socially and politically, they they are not so much in the limelight right now. So I'm I'm kind of riding Team Nats. <laughs> we got Raz OC over here, um, but sports show, sports show. Yeah, Raz, let's talk a little Major League Baseball. Um, I think one of the best stories this year, team that's playing right now, the Washington Nationals. You think about a team that lost seemingly their franchise player at the start of the year in Bryce Harper, and I knew you were going to bring that up too. I mean, it's it's got to be brought up. It is a stone-cold truth. Not only is he gone, but he's forgotten, Roz. Just like <laughs> Andrew Luck on the Colts, the Nationals are on to something here. And after taking game one from Garrett Cole, who is, I think, had the hottest streak in baseball history as a pitcher. He was like 19-0 and in 26 starts. Whatever numbers you want to fling up there that were unbelievable, that's what he had. The Nationals came out, beat him 5-4 opening night. And actually, game two going on right now, a 2-2, bottom of the sixth. Steven Strasburg just escaped a big jam. Um, so very exciting series, Roz. And I think one line, because we do talk a lot <coughs> excuse me, about sporting lines here, Max Scherzer was a plus 180 underdog on opening night of the World Series. And I am willing to bet that we will never, ever see Max Scherzer with that low of a price on his head ever again. So if you took it, congratulations. You won the bet. You won some money. Um, yeah, Roz, this has been a pretty exciting postseason, and the Nationals are a great story going up against the league powerhouse, uh, the Houston Astros. Verlander, Strasburg, game two. I'd have to think, Roz, if the Nats take game two, it's going to be tough for Houston to come back. But we are 2-2. Bottom of the sixth inning, and uh, that's pretty much what's going on in the baseball right. world. We're, unfortunately, when you guys get this, the outcome for game two will have occurred. And we, we messed this up with the Brewers during uh, 
their wild card game because they were up and we were like, yo, sign sealed delivered. Brewers are hot. They're going to move on. They ended up losing that game. So I don't actually want to jinx either way to it. It is 2-2, so anything can happen um, in the remainder of this game. I'm just looking up the current odds, and right now it is the Nationals plus 100, even up one game in the series to win the World Series. Uh, I mean, the Nationals are plus 100. The Astros are minus 120, which I got to ask, with this game not being resolved, it's 2-2. So basically we're at a standstill and still a tie. Where are you with the Nationals are already being up a game? Where would you put your money? Where do you feel most comfortable moving forward in this seven-game series? I think I'd have to put my money on the Nationals right now, Roz. I think overall Houston is a better team. Um, but looking at the top two starters, I don't know. You can't go wrong either way. And the fact that the Nats took game one, like you said, I don't know where this game's going right now, but I like the Nationals here. I mean, they're they're so hot. They've got such a great story. Uh, Juan Soto, the new Bryce Harper, or the Bryce Harper that never was. Um, this team, this team is doing awesome right now, and I'm I'm interested as we're recording the show to see what happens the rest of this game. Uh, but Steven Strasburg and Justin Verlander both gave up two runs in the first inning tonight. Nothing since then. So it's, it's been a great matchup, but I have to go with the Nationals here up a game in the seventh. Right. I mean, coming into this World Series, although I've been so out of tune since the Cubs, by the way, who David Ross will be their new manager uh, in the upcoming year. Hey, breaking I, news, Kurt Suzuki, top of the seventh, three two Nationals, solo homer. Just throw that wow. in. There. So that this is the interesting point. So coming into this series, like I was saying, I didn't know much was going on. All I know is the article I read it was, is this the best pitching matchup of all time between the two teams? And honestly, these are probably the two best rotations in baseball right now going head-to-head, but it hasn't been the rotations because the early portions of these games, their starters have been giving up these quintessential runs. And yes, I'm sure um, Verlander isn't in the game anymore. Maybe he is. I have no idea. I'm really not paying attention. Still is. Still is. Okay, anyways, again, perfect prime example, giving up that home run. I think it's going to come down to the bats in this series. And ultimately, yes, the Astros have awesome bats, but the Nats bats have been so hot that I think they're going to take this as well. Plus, why not take the underdog in this situation? Plus, the political issues. Plus, when I'm looking at it, the Nats were given no love today as Houston was a minus-184 favorite coming into the Game 2. That I mean, that's it's bizarre that they're seen so separate. I mean, I have talked to a couple people about this series. People thought it was going to be a sweep. Who knows? Maybe it's going to be a sweep the other direction. Which, before we give up on baseball... When I'm looking at, this is prior to Game 1, but these were the odds for World Series MVP. It was Garrett Cole plus 700, Verlander plus 750, and then Bregman, Sprigman, or Springer, Jesus, I'm combining names, Altuve, all at plus 1,000, Correa plus 1,200. The first Nats to get on there was Max Scherzer plus 1,300. Where do you stand with a potential World Series MVP after Game 1? I mean, after game one, I think it's pretty clear that the MVP would be Juan Soto. Uh, he went three for four with three RBIs, a big double, a big home run. And Max Scherzer pitched great. Uh, gave him five innings, gave up two runs, 112 pitches, uh, a very laborious 112 pitches. But I think Juan Soto is definitely the guy right now in terms of an MVP spot. So we'll see if anything crazy happens tonight. Uh, like I said, Kurt Suzuki just hit a dinger. But... Yeah, Juan Soto, I think, is the guy right now. Has is one for three tonight. Has four hits already. So 
the Nats win, I think we're looking at him uh, unless we get like a complete game effort by Max Scherzer. Well, it's funny you say that. I think Scherzer is going to be a huge piece. I mean, yes, if they take this game, they're up 2-0, and it then becomes more about the Mets. But I think if this becomes a closer series, I think Scherzer's going to have to come in more than we're used to seeing a starting pitcher used, and that's where they get that claim to fame, and they're going to win. he could win the World Series MVP. That would be a great story on, for, on his behalf. I would love if Max Scherzer came away with the World Series MVP here. Before we get into football, that was our baseball talk. The NBA is back in full fashion. Me and Wits did take off the whole summer after free agency, not talking about the NBA. And we're not coming back to talk about the NBA today. I just wanted to address a couple of topics real quick. The Lakers and Clippers played opening night on Tuesday. The Clippers get the win. Kawhi looked really good on his new team, 30 points, leading the way past AD and LeBron James. Paul George is going to be out for the or for the beginning of the season, most likely 10 to 15 games. We won't see him until November. Kawhi Leonard, with that, I know it's game one, Wits, so put the seatbelt on me. Don't let me go ejected out of this car. Kawhi Leonard, best player in the NBA. Uh, I mean, if you would have said that, Last year, I probably would have agreed with you, so I don't see why I would disagree now. I don't because it's so, for me. You know how hard it is because I think LeBron James is the best, most athletic player in the league, and I, I I just don't know. Like again, a little bit inconsistent on his end. It was game one. He only had eighteen, had five turnovers though, which is has to be uncharacteristic for a future MVP. But Kawhi Leonard just continues to win no matter where he is. And he didn't even need Paul George. And I know, again, one game, it's the NBA, the regular season doesn't matter. But, like, it just doesn't stop with Kawhi. And that's why I'm at this conundrum. And I agree, you're kind of the Kawhi supporter here. And it's fair to say if you think he really is truly the number one player in the league. Yeah, I, you know, I would say number one. I'll, I'll say most valuable. I mean, for me, especially looking at the type of career he's had, uh, two championships, two different teams, what he did last year in Toronto. I mean, I thought it was pretty historic. And I think, you know, right now, as of today, at least in my book, the Clippers are the favorite to win the NBA title. So we'll see how this looks when Paul George gets back. But, I mean, this team is going to be very hard to stop, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We complain about the regular season, but was that first game at all important? Did that establish the tone? Is the Are the Clippers the team to beat? Especially in a city that now has two marquee teams. Yeah, you know, so hard to tell. First game, I think the Clippers were the team to beat no matter what happened. I think the Lakers, I mean, I know they acquired Anthony Davis, but they've, they've got to get on a little run here and show us something because... The acquisition is great, but what have you done for me lately? And last year, they weren't even sniffing the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think the Clippers, no matter what happened, I think they're, they're the team to beat in the NBA right now, especially with the best player, guy who just won a championship, along with Paul George, Patrick Beverly, uh, Montrez Harrell. It's a scary roster. So I think they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. Again, I think the parity in the league is going to be amazing. And once baseball's over and we – have a little more time to talk NBA, and we start to see the ebbs and flows of it, we'll get back into the NBA, because I think it'll be a fun season. Me and you were pretty hyped during free agency about it, but it's time to do what we do best, and that is get into football. Obviously, we will start on the NCAA side of it, since those picks will be coming your way first on Saturday. 
But we got to go through the top 10 because a lot happened with and we're going to cover. So we're just going to cover the top 10 real quick. Go over some big breaking news. You're going to need to talk me off the ledge about this Alabama situation we're, we're staring up at. But Alabama, number one, takes down Tennessee, but loses to a Tugavaloa. I'm never going to say his last name right, so we're going to pass it to a Tuga. And he's out with a high ankle sprain. They're trying to get him back at it in a fast manner. I don't know if that's safe for him, but it, they did it last year on his other ankle. He will most likely miss this game against Arkansas. I don't think they need him. Or, or is Alabama in some trouble, Wits? No, I don't think they're in any trouble. Uh, this game versus Arkansas, I think it's going to be a cakewalk. Uh, it's unfortunate that their back of quarterback isn't there anymore. He's actually leading the most prolific offense in college football right now, Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. I think Alabama's fine. No cause for concern here. Um, but, you know, we'll see. They're number one right now. They might not be next week, but I think they're going to take down Arkansas pretty easily. Yeah, we're not betting on that game. It's a 34 points, but we're going to stay away. LSU went on the road, did their job, 36-13. How about this? Joe Burrows was 200-1 to to win the Heisman. He is now the favorite coming into this week to win the Heisman. If you put your money, if you're a, a diehard LSU person and you got your money in on that one, kudos to you. This guy has been balling out, and we've obviously got to talk about the game coming up this week, but we'll do that when we're doing picks. we got Ohio State, who played Friday. We put I put money on that end. It was an easy clobber. I did, if you go back to listen to last week's episode, I said they'd win by 50, obviously winning by only 49, but I was right there, so I'm going to take the credit for that one. Clemson falling down to four. They continue to slide, Wits. How unbelievable is this? Ohio State hopping them in the AP Top 25. Clemson down to four, even after a lashing, which you picked, against Louisville on the road. Not a lot of respect here for Clemson, which I was the front runner of saying at the beginning of the year because of how slow they looked, and they weren't the Clemson of the last couple of years. Can you defend Clemson's slide or are you, are you trying to propel them back up to number one? I mean, honestly, I don't really care as long as they're in the top four. But, you know, these top three teams, when they get big victories and Clemson's out here, you know, playing patty cakes, they've only played really one decent team so far in Texas A&M. Beat them pretty soundly. It was 24-3 to until the last two seconds of the game. They won 24-10. But, you know, Ohio State has had a couple of big key victories. Alabama's beaten a couple of really good teams. And then LSU, I think right now for me, is probably the best story in college football with Joe Burrows and what they've been doing. So it just kind of makes it hard to keep Clemson in the number one spot or even in front of those three teams with some of the wins they've had. But it doesn't really matter. As long as we're in the top four and we get the four best teams at the end of the year, that's all I care about. can't really defend Clemson being four. It doesn't really matter to me as long as if they go undefeated, they're going to make the playoffs. So that's that's where I stand on the issue. I think it's a non-issue. Fair but Oklahoma right behind them, they're at five. I, I think Oklahoma is beyond deserving of, of a potential spot in the top four. I know you would disagree with that statement. I think Jalen Hurts is the most like, uh, electric. Uh, I cannot speak to that. Electric. Ele- electric player. I was about. I was going to combine those two words again. I'm telling you, it's been a long week, folks, as we're recording here, only at the midday of the week. Um, anyways, Oklahoma at five, though. They had an easy win over West Virginia. Hurts is the man. I think he's got an offensive 
mindset and an offensive style that could beat any of these teams ahead of him. I know I'm getting a little aggressive here, but Oklahoma, once again, is my favorite team to watch. Penn State, 7-0. I've been talking about them a little bit, about sliding into the postseason. Just imagine if it all ended today and we did have a six-team postseason. That's a sexy-looking top six right there, and I think it is well cut off. I think... Beyond that, I mean, Florida at seven, which I disagree with. There's a lot of love for Florida that I don't understand. And same goes for Notre Dame, who are, who's coming off of a bye. But Florida beats South Carolina. Who who opt to do? I don't really care. They don't have a starting quarterback. I don't care if this Trask kid is the second coming of Tebow. He isn't. Uh, I don't understand the love there. Auburn, I can see a little bit. They're going to have a big game against LSU. They're sitting there at nine, at six and one. Georgia at ten. Not again, a not convincing win over Kentucky. Their offense looked horrible. I know you said it was a rain bowl and there was just too much rain on the ground. Um, and the only big fallout of the top 10 is Wisconsin. And I'd love your initial take being in the state of Illinois, how that must have. I don't know if you watched it or any of the reactions we've heard from people. What do you think about Illinois coming away with the biggest win probably in the last decade for them? Yeah, I saw an awesome tweet <laughs> about Illinois' win. Uh, it was like, First win against a top, AP top 10 team in the last decade. That was the good news. Bad news, three more years of lovey. Uh, no matter how, <laughs> how he slices it, <laughs> this was a an astronomical victory for the fighting Illini, but a horrible victory for the Big Ten because Wisconsin now, even with one loss at the end of the year, losing to Illinois is just something you don't want to do. And I checked my phone. I actually got to watch the last play of the game, 23-21. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? Lining up for a game-winning field goal, and I was yelling in the car just by myself because I was like, I love upsets in college football. Horrible look for the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I was hoping that Michigan could have beaten Penn State and then Michigan could beat in Ohio State. The Big Ten would be over. But we've still got an undefeated Buckeyes team. Wisconsin, though, I think they're on the outside looking in no matter what happens. I just That one loss is so bad. That I, I don't know if they can overcome it, but this week is gonna it's gonna answer a lot of questions, Roz. And I know we've got that game picked for you. So right. it is so-, so bad, by the way. It is at a later part in the season. It's not early on, and I mean I don't think it matters where it was at. I think it well fair. I think people get away with losing earlier in the season than towards the middle and definitely towards the end. Yes, it's a terrible loss through and through. They are on the outside of the bubble, and I think their bubble's popped with that game. So they're going to move to the irrelevant stash. They do have a big game this week, which I'm excited to talk about. Which I'll let you kick us off because we do have three ranked matchups that we're picking, and we are on opposite sides of every single one of them, which means betters. I would tell you to go with the man who's been leading the charge, a guy who last week took home the reins, went 3-1-1, one, and one. He's really, he's clo- I'm pretty much even when it comes to units this year, whereas Wits is looking at a negative 5.6 units so far this year. But Wits, I'll let you lead him off since we're on opposing ends, and I'll be fair. Okay. I am going to take the Buckeyes minus 14 here. Uh, I was tossing and turning about this game because Wisconsin, are they a Worst team, Illinois, absolutely not. I think they were definitely looking a little bit ahead at this game. But, Roz, the offense for the Buckeyes, I think, is just going to 
totally take this Badgers team by storm, and they're going to have nowhere to turn. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a non-factor in this game. Justin Fields, this is the best second-quarter team in college football by a long shot. This game is going to be a two-score game at half. Wisconsin is going to be chasing the points, and it's just not going to be enough. I love Ohio State in this game. The more I thought about it, I think Wisconsin, I think they're done. Would I be super shocked if they won straight up? I wouldn't be, but I just don't think it's going to happen, and I think the Buckeyes run away with this one. And Wisconsin has another strong start and horrible finish to a once-promising season. Kind of the norm. So that's my take on the game. Um, my take is, this is so weird for me, because I'm, I'm just weird when it comes to gambling. With, with the line it is now, plus 14, I'm going Wisconsin. So we're on the opposite ends there. I'm taking Wisconsin here. I think this is one of the better defensive Wisconsin teams we've seen um, in recent years. And I think Ohio State is going up against the best defense they've faced all year in this Wisconsin team. Weirdly, though, had this been like a 12.5 or 11.5 point spread, I'm all in on Ohio State. I don't know why the the extended 14 is giving me some trouble, but I think Wisconsin and Ohio State, they're going to butt heads. Both teams have put up massive amount of points this year, but we this is the Big Ten, and we're used to these low-scoring matchups against these top teams. Um, I'm going Wisconsin, plus 14. I don't think they're going to win, but I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think this is a statement game to say, hey, we lost to Illinois, but we're not giving up on the season yet. Let me come out there. Jonathan Taylor is going to dictate some of the time on the ground, and I think that's going to be super important in keeping this spread closed. So I'm going Wisconsin, plus 14. And we've got, by the way, this next game is the epitome of our entire college football season. <laughs> this Auburn-LSU game, I have sucked with the SEC. You have rocked with Auburn. LSU has been my only saving grace this year with the SEC. Ready to go toe-to-toe with you. I'm I'm ready. Let's do it. Put the gloves on, Wits. Let's let's do this. I don't need the gloves to beat your ass, but uh, let's uh, let's take a dive into the matchup here, Roz. So LSU, I think you can make an argument that they've been the most impressive team in college football, just compared to where they were last year. How people thought them coming in, Joe Burrow's being a possible Heisman candidate. Uh, but on the other side here, Auburn, very interesting season so far. Started off with a bang and a huge win over Oregon on opening night. Had a very large win at Texas A&M. That was a great football game. Had a little bit of a slip-up at Florida. Um, And I know we talked about, I was a big fan of Kyle Trask when he came in. I thought he was a great player, and I'm not surprised that they're in the top 10 right now. But they lost 24-13. Pretty solid game. Auburn is a very good football team, and they've been playing some great football this year. And I think this is finally the time that LSU gets matched up toe-to-toe with a team that is pretty close to even with them. And I just think 10.5 points is too much in this game. And LSU is playing just superior football the entire year. And I think they slip up a little bit this week. I think this comes down to the final possession, which means I'm definitely taking a 10.5 points uh, with this Auburn team that is very sneaky. And I think they're one of the teams out there with one loss that still has an outside shot at the playoff were they to run the table this year. So this is a large matchup for them, and I think they're going to cover the spread in this one. All right, gloves on. I'm about to take the left and then give you a right uppercut and then maybe one more left hook. Uh, Here's where it's at. These defenses, you're right, they rival one another, allowing 319 yards per game, both of them actually. 
both more stout on the run. LSU more stout on the run than Auburn is. Um, Auburn more stout against the pass than LSU is. But they're still allowing 224 yards a game through the air. And now that brings me to the passing game that is Joe Burrows. Burrows, 29 touchdowns, 2,484 yards this year. 173 on 218 pass attempts, only three interceptions. Bo Nix, 11 touchdowns to five interceptions, is nowhere close in that realm. 95 completions of 169 attempts, brutal statistic there. LSU scored 50.1 points per game. I'm giving you a lot of numbers, and where it comes together right here is this is going to turn to a track meet, and Auburn absolutely does not have the team to keep up in a track meet. This is going to be Alex Gold versus Dylan Wallace on a track, and Dylan's going to have that one lap lead, and none of you guys get this reference, but we had a all-cross-country team friend of ours, and then our slouch of a friend who was once a varsity stud in basketball. They raced. Dylan got a one-lap lead and still lost to Alex. And honestly, they don't even need that, whatever it is. LSU's going to come into this game and absolutely dismantle Auburn. Does it take a little bit to get going? Probably. We're going to probably see about a 14-7 halftime score. But at the end of the day, they're going to finish this game 35-14. to That's my ultimate pick here. And I think Burroughs goes for another four touchdowns. And the guy continues to trek to being a Heisman and interrupting what Oklahoma's done over the last two seasons. He's going to keep it out of Jalen Hurts' hands. Burroughs, this is a very big statement game. I also do like the fact that it's at home for LSU. So LSU walks away. They're the highest scoring team in the SEC this year. Give it to them. They're going to take the W and cover. All right, long-winded explanation for a loss, but we'll take it. Moving on to the next game, I want to let everybody know that this is my best bet of the year. Wow. Look at you. Take out your wallets. We're putting three units on this game. It's the last big matchup on the board in which we're also on opposite sides. But this Saturday, you're going to want to take Notre Dame minus the one is what we have them at right now. But Notre Dame is going to win and cover this game against the Michigan Wolverines at the big house. And here's why, Roz. Notre Dame has had two weeks to prepare for this reeling Wolverines team that struggles to move the ball consistently, has ball security issues, and frankly is just not that good. Notre Dame is tied for 13th in the nation in takeaways with 14. Michigan has given the ball away 14 times, tied for, wait for it, 109th in the nation. Ian Book is going to manage this Notre Dame team to a victory, and Shea Patterson is going to absolutely shit the bed here. Played okay last week near the end of the game, but this Notre Dame team is just going to flat-out pummel Michigan. I know that they're battle-tested, but the Wolverines are going to be no match for Brian Kelly and Notre Dame this week. So this is my best bet of the year. So make sure you get your wallets out, get your tickets punched, because this is the bet that you don't want to miss. Uh, This game sucks, in my opinion, because you've got two quarterbacks who just you can't figure out which is going to show up. It's, I mean, I don't know. Ian Book looked good coming out against USC and then just sucked the rest of the way. That whole team almost allowing USC to come back in. I love how you updated our our, our bracket thing that I'm reading. That's why I'm chuckling. You 
putting bet of the year. Shea Patterson, to me, did start to look more comfortable at the end of that Penn State game. It wasn't enough. The drops were an issue with Michigan last week, which I could not believe. I mean, I saw eight drops in the short time I watched that game. Probably watched the last seven minutes and probably watched about five minutes in the second quarter. The amount of drops I saw was frightening. It was disgusting, and Jim Harbaugh's got to get that ironed out. They, I worry for Michigan because they don't have a lot of talent on offense, and I think Shea Patterson is better than we give credit. He just doesn't have anyone around him. Uh, he's no Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, it's in the big house, Wits, and when it's a pick game, I got to go with the home team, and I don't have as much faith in Notre Dame as I should going into this, but it is what it is. I'm going to ride Michigan. I don't have really any other good reason behind the fact that they've already lost twice. I don't think they're going to lose two in a row, and if they do, Harbaugh should absolutely be canned. I'm going to ride Michigan just to battle your bet of the year. So I got Michigan. Okay, going with uh, Michigan team and Jim Harbaugh. That's 0-8 against ranked opponents, 1-10 as an underdog. But we'll move on. Uh, I've got nothing else to say about college besides take Stanford plus one, Utah State plus three and a half. That rounds out my picks. I'm all fired up about my bet of the year. Don't miss it. Make sure that you text your bookies before the game starts because this is going to make you some money. Those five picks, but make sure you send in Notre Dame for all the marbles. Wow, you are riding high on Notre Dame. If this backfires on you, I'm just going to hear so much whimpering and stuff. Anyways... I am also going to close mine out. I always give you the big bet. I love Oklahoma minus 24 this week against K-State. K-State cannot score, but and Oklahoma absolutely can. I think they blow them out by 50 as well. And then I took, again, I was bouncing back and forth because I liked a lot of games. I'm going to take Syracuse plus 10 against Florida State. I think that's going to be easy. But my pick for you guys this week is Virginia minus 3.5 against Louisville. I think Virginia has been one of the hotter ACC teams. Might be able to pose a threat to Clemson. Probably not. But I do like Virginia minus 3.5. That's probably my favorite line of the week. I also took... With my bookie, Penn State minus six and a half. Feel free to hop on. I just I forgot Michigan State still played in the NCAA, so I thought I'd ride that. But my official picks are Oklahoma minus twenty four, Virginia minus three and a half, and then the three big games. So that is what I've got so far. Wits, time to move into the NFL. Uh, a busy week. Another a good week for us. Uh, we did pretty well. I won my two unit play with the Rams, who I thought absolutely was going to demolish that game any big takeaways other than the Packers are so freaking good they are they should be everyone's one and only Super Bowl favorite at this point (laughs) yeah I got a couple takeaways um that was one of the worst betting beats of all time I think with the Chargers (laughs) not being able to get into the end zone uh I thought Eckler did it I thought Gordon did it and then he didn't and fumbled, and that game was lost. That was one of the tougher beats. Um, and I, I didn't even bet on the game, but I felt it as picking them on the show. It was just something that you never want to see happen to a team on the four-inch line, and somehow the Chargers made it happen because that is just what they do. But, Roz, They're I don't know if you watched the losers. That, that was, I think, one of the worst sequences I have ever seen and Melvin Gordon actually fumbled the play before as well and got the ball back and on the next play fumbled literally on the one-inch line, in which I think Austin Eckler had already gotten in, but 
that's for another time. The Chargers fall to two and five, and things are just not going well in L.A. right now. A couple other takeaways from the league. Mitch Trubisky threw the ball about 30 too many times with 54 pass attempts. The Bears got dismantled by the Saints, uh, who are a very good football team, but the Bears are, are just not good right now. And Monday night, Roz, I don't know if you were seeing ghosts, but I know someone was on the Jets, namely Sam Darnold, in one of the most embarrassing performances, not only on Monday night, but in the National Football League that I have ever seen. It reminded me of watching Brady Quinn against the Ravens. It was about 10 years ago, and I turned to my dad and said, dude, how the hell did this guy ever get on the field? But one game, you're never as good or as bad as you look. But Roz, Sam Darnold was atrocious on Monday night. Yeah, and we know Jared Rubin's not too thrilled about that as I came away with a less than one-point victory against him in fantasy due to the Patriots' defense. Here's what I've got to say. Darnold sucks. That's easy. I've been saying that for a long time. He's not going to be their franchise quarterback. It is what it is. That Dallas game, ultimately, I think is going to end up being a fluke, which we're going to talk about Dallas here in a second. But the Patriots haven't played anybody. And... I understand they're 7-0, and that's tough to do in the National Football League. But they've played in the worst division ever. They have six Super Bowls. I'm done living in the past. I'm talking about this year. Tom Brady has some uncertainty if he's going to come back after this year. And not in terms of not playing, but the Patriots aren't extending him. This team is going to fall off the wagon. They end their schedule against the Texans, the Chiefs. They've got the Browns this week who, if the Browns want to prove anything, they need to go in and punch the Patriots in the mouth. I don't think that's going to happen because I think they're a a dumpster fire all of a sudden, which is sad because this is a team that had a lot of hope. Patriots, to me, 33-0 on a Jets team. That is so irrelevant. I'm already forgetting where they play football at or what state they belong to. The team sucks. Honestly, so does everybody else. The Dolphins, the Bills. I don't care that the Bills are 5-1. and one. I'm the, my, That's my takeaway. The AFC East is a nothing. The NFC East is also a nothing. But I'm curious your take on the Cowboys just dismantling of the Philadelphia Eagles. And is it too soon to add Carson Wentz to the Mariota Winston list? <laughs> Luck Griffin list. Just mm. asking. Uh, asking yeah. for a friend. <laughs> I do think it's too soon, but... Roz, I agree with you. Very uninspiring effort by Philadelphia in which was a huge division game. I mean, both those teams, 3-3 three and three going into the evening. And Dallas just came out and flat out spanked them. I mean, I had Philadelphia, and before, you know, by the time I turned the game on, it was 27-7 at half, and so I just went to bed. Um, I do agree with you, though, on the Cowboys. I don't think they're 27 points better than the Eagles, and I don't think that they're as good as they showed. But... This Philadelphia team, after a guaranteed victory call by Doug Peterson early in the week, this was tough to watch as a not only a Philadelphia fan, but just a football fan. I mean, the Eagles, think about them winning the Super Bowl. Nick Foles, we're with Carson Wentz now, and I think it's too soon to write him off. But some things better start happening here soon because we're in week eight. We're already halfway through the season. And if the Eagles can't make the playoffs in this division— you know what, I think we got to start throwing out some flags, some red flags. And Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, somebody's going to get blamed for it. But, yeah, that was it was a brutal game for Philadelphia and a game that I thought they needed to win. Yellow so. flags, red flags, they're all out for me already, Wits. I mean, let's be honest, Carson Wentz looked like the MVP before he got hurt. 
Since then, he's been nothing but slow, inaccurate, not winning the clutch and big games. Also, not to mention that there has been reports, and I know me and you don't really get into these side reporting business things, but he's not a leader in the locker room, let alone on the field. And like you said at the beginning, it was uninspired football. They looked like they wanted to go home halfway through the game. This Eagles team, which really rallied around Nick Foles and might be a part of the whole folklore of like, hey, they love Nick Nick Foles and they just played so much better for him. It's becoming evident. It's it's more of a reality these days. And who knows what Nick Foles is going to be able to accomplish with the Jaguars. And who knows if he is a Super Bowl MVP caliber quarterback. Although I know he has that title. It's, I mean, it's kind of a stroke of lightning to get put in in that situation. I'm against Wentz at this point. This division is so bad that the fact that you got blown out by your rivals in a game, like you said, your coach called would be a guaranteed win, and you backed and supported that idea. You looked horrible. You didn't look energized. You didn't look into it. Get the ball to Zach Ertz, a guy who can move the ball down the field. Find some weapons. I mean, Nelson Aguilar didn't even go for a ball at one point. That was thrown pretty nicely downfield to him. Um, the Eagles are on my shit list. I think they're out. I didn't even bet on them. They're just... They just are such such trash, and the Philadelphia fans are such trash. Like, I hope they're enjoying their snowball fights come December because that's the only excitement that's going to be there in the stadium. Eagles are out to me. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm not going to count them out yet, but uh, the flags are up. But enough about last week, Roz. Let's move into this week. Um, we got five picks for you, both coming off three and two weeks. Very solid. Roz won his two-unit play. So he was up almost two units for the day. I was up a little under one. Uh, Roz, I'm going to start us off here. I've got one two-unit play this week. That is the 49ers facing off against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, 49ers have been, I think, relative to where they were last year, the most impressive team in football so far. Very hard-fought victory in the torrential downpour against Washington last week, uh, kind of like a 1950s game, the 9 nothing victory. Um but I love the 49ers minus five and a half in this one. I think they get at him early and often and Kyle Allen, Cam Newton, whoever's under center, and it's not going to be enough against this Kyle Shanahan led team. So take them as my two unit play. And then I'll rattle off the next four after you give me your two unit plays for the week. Well, before I get my two unit plays, I do want to say the Panthers plus six is one of my picks because I think the 49ers are not as good as theirs record shows I think they're going to fall off plus I do believe in Kyle Allen them giving him the starting nod I think is amazing I think they're going to play up to that I think they they could very well lose but I think they're going to keep this a close game I'm taking the Panthers to go on the other side of you my two I have two two unit plays I am in love coming off of a loss to the Colts a game that they should have won and really just got their weaknesses were shown. I'm going Texans minus seven at home against the Raiders. The Raiders, to me, are one of the worst teams in the league, and their record doesn't show it. I don't think they have enough pieces to stick in these games with high-efficiency offenses. Just look at what the Packers did to them. I'm going Texans minus seven is a two-unit play. And then Seattle bouncing back off of a tough loss against the who do they just lose? the Ravens yeah the Raven Lamar Jackson got the better of Russell Wilson not sure what happened in that game but just like I felt last week when the Rams were coming off of a loss against the Atlanta Falcons or 
before playing the Atlanta Falcons, going in against the Falcons, who have one of the worst defenses in the league, with a bit of a banged-up Matt Ryan. I think the Seahawks treat the Falcons just like the Rams did the week previous. I'm going Seahawks another two-unit play, minus three and a half. Which I've given three of my picks. I'll let you rattle through some of yours. Oh, you also gave two of mine as well, because I also have Seattle minus three and a half and Houston minus seven. Um, I think this three and a half line at Seattle is one of the biggest trap lines I've ever seen, but I don't care. I'm running right through the fence. I'm taking a minus three and a half because I, I just don't see them not You can't cover. trap a wits. <laughs> you can, it breaks yes. free. You can. It's been done almost every week. Uh, so my final two picks of the week, I am taking not Jacksonville, but I'm taking against the Jets minus six, uh, and they happen to be playing the Jaguars this week. I don't know where you go from that Monday night effort. But I think Minshew Magic can muster up a one-touchdown victory. So I like Jacksonville on this one. And I'm also going to take Matt Patricia and the Lions. Um, this has been a very up-and-down year for the Detroit Lions. I think they are a good football team. And I think they're going to take out all their anger on New York this week because it's been a rough 2-3-1 and go-around so far. So give me the Lions minus 7. They win this one by three touchdowns. Matthew Stafford. Picking him up off the wire this week, 300 yards, three touchdowns, book it. I think that's a 5-0 and slate, Rouse. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'd love you to rock it. Drew Brees coming back, so he says, against the Cardinals, hopping in early. I think the Saints minus 10.5 is a great bet as well. I think they take down this Cardinals team that's been on a bit, little bit of a roll, but when you go to the Mercedes Superdome, you're going to run into Brees and the magic that is that stadium. So I'm going to go Saints there, and then I'm... Um, I actually feel bad now. I just shit on this team so hard like 30 seconds ago. But I'm taking the Eagles plus two in this game. I think the Bills, who I also gave a little bit of shit to, I think they're going to fall off the wagon a little bit. The Eagles have a statement game here. They need to go win. And let me tell you here first, Eagles fans, if the Eagles win this game and cover the spread, I will take back everything I said. I will have a formal apology written out. They need to cover this. They need to get this win here. And Zach Ertz needs to have about two touchdowns. So that's my statement. Come back at me. Get that W. And I'll be right. I'll be reading the script. I'll be reading my apology to the whole city of Philadelphia. Yeah, can't wait for that to happen. And uh, final notes for the show, Roz. The Nationals are now up 8-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh. The wheels fell off for Justin Verlander and company. So... It looks like right now, Roz, we're, we're looking at a 2-0 series lead for the Nationals. So it's going to be a dogfight for the Astros from here on out. Cause hey, it's not climb. they got to climb. they got to climb. So we'll see what happens. Uh, whoever starts in Game 3, this is the Astros need to win Game 3. How about that? Um, I, I agree. How, how about uh, that? Catch me outside. How about that? Uh, I'm not bad, baby. Don't label me like that. I just, I just labeled you. Wits. We're 30 days out from the return of Roz to Illinois. Any news, anything fun going on in your life on your way out of this week's episode? Yep. Uh, going to a Halloween party on Friday. Oh, what are you going to be? I'm dressing up as Pauly Walnuts Gaultieri from The Sopranos, uh, for those wow. of you who don't know. How many you know, people at that party are going to know? I want to do a poll. How many people at that party are going to know who the hell you are? <laughs> I'd say probably about 10%. But those like that are going to love it because I'm going to be in the, the gangster jumpsuit, tracksuit with my day goatee and big gold necklace and fresh new kicks I just bought. 
So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. We will also be going to a Halloween party here in Los Angeles, California. I'll be dressed up as Bugs Bunny again from Space Jam. I will be rocking that. Probably no clothes underneath. You know it's got one zipper. Uh, it'll be a fun one. Halloween weekend. For me, typically, I hate Halloween. I hate the whole costume aspect of it. I ate so much chocolate growing up and still do where I, I'm currently on a break trying to save my body for a special somebody when I get home in uh in late november but uh i'll be bugs bunny and i'll try to have some fun with it put a little bit of booze down in the system and uh who knows i could turn into johnny manzel at any second uh but everyone have a great halloween weekend because i know nobody wants to celebrate it the following weekend in november and wits you stay safe i promise to stay safe on my end as well um this has been the opening line we promise to have guests coming soon some cool ones at that and uh, catch us on all of our social media platforms. Reach out to MTV Adski if you want to get on any of this stuff. And uh, we're, we're just going to keep the line moving with. So everyone have a fantastic evening. Go Nationals. We'll catch you next time, everybody. What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto. Things ain't out of, I know You're moving by the bolo, it's the way When you're moving by the bolo, it's the play Break, break, break down What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto You forgot all, I know You're moving by the bolo, it's the way When you're moving by the bolo Break, break, break that chain Get up, get a moving it Feel the baseline with the groove in it Shit, the buzz ain't losing it I'm an next thing, I'm proving it Talk about how I'm full of it Bro, but I'll still be bolder rich You wanna know how I'm doing this Listen, man, I'm moving by the bolo You're moving by the bolo When you're moving When you're moving, man We ain't gonna lose it Watch how I'm moving we ain't gon' lose it Watch how I move, I move I just can't help myself What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto Things ain't auto, I know You're moving by the bolo, that's your way up When you're moving by the bolo, that's the play What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto You forgot all, I know You're moving by the bolo when you're moving by the bolo Get them all aboard, move that thing on the heart of course And I'm back with the business and the big road on route to the promised land Get that involved, ooh, Dragon Ball Z when we stir it up, superpowers, murder I got you now, you feel the buzz like, are you serious? Now you are so curious, how did you experience? Party on this open gym, we hanging on my shoulder cause you know we Just gon' let it go. You just gon' let it go. We ain't gon' lose it. Watch how I'm moving. We ain't gon' lose it. Watch how I move. I move. I just can't help myself. What's your motto? 
Everyone want that lotto Things ain't auto, auto You movin' by the bolo, that's your way up When you movin' by the bolo, that's the play up What's your motto? Everyone want that lotto You forgot all, I know You movin' by the bolo When you movin' by the bolo Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.